There's more signs of slowing activity in China's economy. And in Australia, markets are on the lookout for retail sales figures today and inflation figures tomorrow. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our deep dive interview, ANZ Australia economist Blair Chapman has come up with a better measure of how tight the labour market is. It's called FTE POP. So if we compare it to the unemployment rate equivalent or even the unemployment rate itself, I think in the 19, late 1990s, you can see that the unemployment rate in Australia was declining, but the participation rate was also declining at the same time. And so if you focus solely on the unemployment rate, the market looked like it was getting tighter, whereas in reality, it was actually getting looser. And the FT pop shows that. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, markets were mixed overnight, although the theme was very much about the prospects for a soft landing in the United States, which is dragging down on market interest rates and, of course, the US dollar. As of 5 o'clock Sydney Melbourne time, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ were broadly flat. The US 10-year Treasury yield was down 5 basis points to 4.42%. The Aussie dollar, still up near its highs, was bubbling along at 65.91 US cents, and the Kiwi, solid, at 60.83 US cents. Gold strengthened overnight, rising to $2,010 US, 35 cents an ounce. Number two, China's industrial profit growth slowed sharply to 2.7% in October from a year ago. This is way down from 11.9% growth in September and 17.2% in August. ANZ China senior strategist Zhao Pangjing says a 10% fall in oil prices and lower commodity prices were a factor. In China, the most volatile part in the industrial profit is uh, from the upstream sectors. That means the oil, uh, coal and uh, steel uh, sectors yeah, contribute to the largest contribution to uh, the industrial profit volatility. So now in October, we see the oil shock to the industrial profit. Number three. So what now for China? Will its authorities look to stimulate more to revive growth? Xiaopeng sees an emphasis on helping the property sector, firstly on the supply side by helping developers with their financing issues. On the demand side, I, I expect the policymakers to cut down payment ratio, to cut the mortgage rate, and also to relax some restrictions on home purchase uh, in some big cities. But uh, I don't think it can make a turn around to the property market because you know uh, China property market is already uh, oversupplied. Number four, we'll get Australian inflation data for October tomorrow. One area that is being closely watched is the cost of travel. Here's ANZ Australia senior economist Catherine Birch. We know that into the end of the year that domestic holiday prices tend to rise when when more people are going on holidays, but that biggest rise tends to be in December. But if we look at the data on domestic airfares, that actually increased by about 10% in the previous month. And so that suggests that we'll see domestic holiday prices actually increase in October. Having said that, there are signals that international holiday prices will come off a bit in October. Number five. Another number to watch out for today is Australian retail turnover in October. The market expects a flat figure, while ANZ sees a 0.5% rise. This is after a strong growth figure in September of 0.7%. 
Now, in part one of our bonus deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ Australia economist Blair Chapman about a new indicator of tightness in the labour market that looks through the effects of more part-time workers and changing participation rates. These are problems that make the unemployment rate sometimes a misleading indicator of when the economy is running too hot. Blair calls it FTE POP, which is short for full-time equivalent workers as a share of the population. It basically captures the amount of hours worked given the population, but put in a nice format that people can understand rather than saying 20 hours per week. It's just the share of the population. That's the important aspect that could be working full time in the economy. And basically, it's been relatively constant by comparison to the unemployment rate or underutilization rates in Australia. And that's the important thing here is when we're thinking about measures of full employment, uh, we don't want them going up and down over time. We want them to be relatively constant so that we can actually, in real time, have a good gauge of where they are uh, rather than the unemployment rate equivalent, which is the Nehru, which has actually been tracking down uh, since the 1980s, basically, in Australia. So could you talk about why the FTE to population measure manages to screen out some of the variability or noise that might distract us from working out whether the market's tight? So when we're looking at the unemployment rate, we're thinking about heads. Uh, So that's one thing. We're thinking about people in the economy. If we think about what's happened over the last 30 years in Australia and other countries is we've switched from, you know, the majority of people working full-time to a greater share of people working part-time. And so if we're only focused on heads, we're not capturing that change in hours that's occurring because of a shift to part-time employment. And if people are working fewer hours, then there's actually greater spare capacity. And the unemployment rate's not going to capture that because it doesn't reflect how many hours people are working. It only reflects how many people are still searching for work. And the second thing that the unemployment rate doesn't uh, sort of capture or misses is the changes in participation. So over the economic cycle, we know that there's a thing called the discouraged worker effect. So when the labour market's not doing so well, people tend to stop searching for work because they can't find work and they drop out. And if we want to measure a full employment, we don't want it to be sensitive to how many people are in the labour market at any particular time. We sort of want to be able to look through that. And by focusing on the total population of the country as the denominator in this ratio, we're focusing on everyone that could possibly supply labour in the country. And then the numerator is looking at hours rather than that heads. And so it allows us to look through the two shortcomings of the unemployment rate there, the movements in participation and movements in hours worked. So what have you found when you've done the calculations on that FTE to population ratio over the last 30 years or so? It's been relatively stable over the last 30 years or so. So if we compare it to the unemployment rate equivalent or even the unemployment rate itself, I think in the nineteen late 1990s, you can see that the unemployment rate in Australia was declining, but the participation rate was also declining at the same time. And so if you focus solely on the unemployment rate, the market looked like it was getting tighter, whereas in reality it was actually getting looser. And the FTE pop shows that. And it also moves in a sharper way because the participation and hours movements aren't dampening the movements. They're actually reflected. You get sharper movements to reflect when the labour market's actually becoming tighter and looser over time. It's Blair Chapman there. And tomorrow we'll find out where the sweet spot is for FTE pop and whether Australia's economy is still running so hot that the RBA has to hike again. 
I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, November the 28th. Look out tomorrow for a preview of key Australian inflation data. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.